I think USC's dead. I'm just going to say, I think that they're dead. I don't care if they win the Pac-12 with one loss. I don't think they can make the playoffs. I don't give a shit what they do the rest of the way. They are, they fell down in the rankings, and there's just too much in front of them to happen that they need to happen. And I expect that Max or Caleb Williams to have some bad games coming down the road too. You still have to play Oregon and Washington back to back weekends. You play Utah this weekend. Not a bad defense. So I, I think the USC Trojans are dead. I'm seeing three or four losses on their schedule. All about the balls podcast with Mark Davis, Chris Kamihart. Luke Rule and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Welcome to All About the Balls podcast. I'm Mark Davis in the Sack House with Nick Doc, Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. It's me and him tonight. It's a, like a rotating doors of me and another person. Luke, unfortunately, same thing that happened to Doc last night. Some things came up last minute. Didn't plan for it, so the show must go on. No Chris. We were just paying that, like I said, for the whole week. But Doc... About to break down some college football. Florida State coming off a blowout win over Syracuse. Now they get to travel to the Duke Blue Devils, a ranked Duke Blue Devils, too. Big game. How are you feeling heading into this week of college football? You know, I'm, I'm thrilled, honestly. I mean, Florida State has looked exactly how I wanted to look. You know, there, there's been some, you know, a couple close games this year, but we've handled everything. Clemson was was probably the closest game of the year. And, and I said going into it that, that it was going to be a hard-fought win. But, you know, Syracuse, another sleeper team that's that's put work on us in the past. But nice to come out and finally see the Seminoles handing work, handling business like they used to do on both sides of the football. So very excited. Honestly, not even worried about Duke this, this week. Not even worried about it. And I was wrong. You guys aren't traveling to Duke. Duke's traveling to you guys. They are number 16, and they are coming to Tallahassee. For some reason, I kept thinking that you guys are going to Duke this year. Not sure why. But um, Doc, Texas, coming back off a of bye week. You know, we did lose to Oklahoma, 34-30. You know, you know, understandable. We lost to a good team, not saying Oklahoma shit. But now we get to go to Houston. We get to go down the road and play old Houston first time. And the only time the Big 12 is a conference game for the two of us because, you know, we'll be in the SEC next year. So if we see them, we won't oh, see them in the Big 12. Yeah, we won't see them in the Big 12 title game, so this is probably the only game we will see them in the Big 12 in. We are 23.5-point favorites. Not sure if we cover the spread. Honestly, I don't give a shit. As long as we win by double digits, I don't care. As long as Quinn Ears has a bounce-back game from his slowish, sluggish start in the first half against Oklahoma, I'm happy. But, you know, the whole making to the Big 12 title game starts now. You know, we have to run the table, essentially. We have to go in here, yep. win each game at a time. We have six games to win, and then we get to play Oklahoma hopefully again, and then, you know – Hopefully the rematch is there and we have a chance to get to the playoffs, but it starts now. You have to look at one week at a time. And I think the real reason doc real quick, Luke couldn't make it is because UCF is playing at Oklahoma, number six rank Oklahoma. And somehow OU is only 19 point favorites. I think that the Vegas odds, the Vegas betters are being just a little uh, generous towards UCF. But yeah, I think Luke was just a little nervous to talk Oklahoma and UCF tonight. Yeah, I think, uh, I think wholeheartedly he believes they're coming out. UCF is winning this football game, and, and, and any any football mind in the world knows that's not going to happen. But I think he believes so. You know, good on him. I mean, yeah, trust in your team. Uh, a lot of misplaced trust, I think. But uh, you know, the the downside, the downfall of of having to face that that pick, I think it was. I think it was going to be too much for him. <laughs> I don't think he truly believes it. I think he's just speaking it into existence so that if it does happen, he's like, yeah, I don't know, I man. It, but- 
I don't know, man. I've heard some some more wild, uh, some wilder uh, predictions from him. So I think picking UCF and then seeing him come out and get fucking shattered by thirty, I think it, it makes for a tough tough show next week. Yeah, and they might be shattered by thirty by the first half. I mean, let's see what Oklahoma can do if Dylan Gabriel even plays the whole game. I mean, he could be done literally by halftime. But also Chris's team, the LSU Tigers, hosting. The Army team out there, they hey, they have a cool uh, – I don't know if you saw the picture that Chris sent. They have the LSU end zones are going to be ammo, like camouflage essentially. So honoring Army as you play the University of Army. So, and Army does play some of these Power 5 teams tough. They might not win, but, you know, the whole triple option, it throws us off the Power hey. 5 offense. You're not, you're not used to it. So You can stop a run defense. You can stop Army. Or stop – if you, you got to run defense, you can stop Army. Yeah, you can. Hey, and shout out to the Air Force, too. They're playing the University of Navy. So the first of these three uh, service schools playing each other. So hopefully the Air Force this year, they, they take it. They seem like they have a good shot. They are ranked, actually, number 22 in the nation. Yeah, they've had so. a good team. They've had good a good team. Force. Yeah. But, Doc, we have a we have a good little schedule to talk here. You know, we have some big games that we're going to talk about from last week. We got the game of the week, Penn State and Ohio State and Columbus. So we'll talk that. But let's start off. We we talked about it last uh, week's episode. The University of Oregon Ducks traveling to the University of Washington. And before we talk about the game, that is one of the most beautiful stadium backgrounds, I think, that's in college football. Having Lake, I didn't realize it until like this past game for some reason. I've never noticed it. What a beautiful setting they have out there in Seattle for the uh, Huskies. Yeah, that game. I mean, everything about that game uh happy to see that game during the day too that was an incredible atmosphere good to see everybody coming alive in the uh, you know late afternoon um it's kind of that it was kind of that atmosphere you only see at night but they came together and saw in the afternoon it was an electric game it was an electric crowd it was everything about that game was probably one of the most fun to watch all year long oh yeah i agree and i i thought i mean hats off to washington that they won the game they they were the better team at the end of the day. I think that they, eh. I think they outcoached Oregon, but I think Oregon outplayed them. Just similar to yes. the Texas Oklahoma game. Texas, I thought, truthfully outplayed Oklahoma, but outcoaching for Oklahoma Sooners. Now there was, I think Oklahoma played a little better. I, I mean, it might have been more balanced than that, but I think Oregon they outgained them in yards. Um, the coaching calls, you know, at the end of the first half, they're on the three yard line. They were down by. Uh, four points, I believe it was, and they decided to go for it rather than kick a field goal, go by one. I'm okay with it. Like you know, you take you take that mat, you take a lead like that instead of being down wide one. I'm okay with whatever. And that fourth down call at the end of the game too. It was, I was just watching it again. I didn't realize that they were on the 47 of Washington, and it was in like no man's land. They had a little two minutes left. So hey, you get a first down, you milk the clock out, you win the game. Or if you miss it, then you're giving the Huskies short field. But Oregon had a chance to still win the game or tie it, and they missed the field goal too tight to go to overtime. Yeah, it was really frustrating to see uh, how well Oregon was playing and and the play calling. Um, I can't argue being aggressive. I mean, I can in in all of those and in, in in some of those situations. I mean, yeah, some of them you got to do what you got to do. But at the end of the day, I mean, there were two field goals. You take the points, and you're already set up in a better position. And coming in with those leads, you know, changes the gameplay for for Washington. Makes Washington come in, changes up their play calling, their aggressiveness how they're executing. So, you know, when you're playing behind, it's a different ball game. So um, really disappointing, honestly, to see Oregon coming out and, and the play calls made, you know, that that's a game that they absolutely should have won. And I think the coach, 
the first one of the game coach came out and said, yep, we're playing aggressive. I get it. And then I think it was like trying to compensate since you missed the first one, you're trying to make it up. And then you just, you're in this position where you're constantly trying to make up points for what you missed. And, and now it just becomes a game long theme. Yeah. That's the one I missed. I'm sorry the, the last one, I felt like they had to go for it just because it was the end of the game and they were up. And then if you, if you punt it, yeah, that's great. But the second one is the one I missed. Yeah. Like you were saying, doc, the, I think that's the one that they should have kicked the field goal on. It was fourth down and three from the eight yard line and you make it. Then it's a 29, 21 game. You're only down eight. But after that, working did turn it around. That was like literally what turned the, that the team around, they forced a three, not literally right after that. And then they went touchdown, touchdown, and then the last turnover on downs, which was that they were trying to milk the clock out. Uh, Oregon uh, or Washington got the two quick scores with Penix Jr., who was banged up too. So I respect Michael Penix Jr. And I, the coach too for Washington. We were saying it on the turnover and downs when they got to the goal line, and they didn't let Michael Penix Jr. throw the ball really. And similar to the Quinn Ewers situation where, you know, they ran it four straight times. Like right here, it says uh, first and goal, run for seven yards. Second and goal, run for one, a loss of a yard. Third and goal, you run for a yard, and then you run it again for it. So, like, you, you have Michael Penix Jr., who's in the Heisman candidate, one of the best QBs this year in college football, and you don't run it with the four downs on the goal line. Like, it's just similar to the Quinn Ewer situation. Didn't like it. That was bad coaching. But, hey, Penix proved it the next fucking drive with two plays, and they scored literally in 33 seconds. So, I think he put his, his hat in the Heisman. I think he surpassed Caleb Williams after his poor game and his – Big game too. I mean, and Bo Nix too. Shout out to Bo Nix too, man. Like I'm very impressed with both these QBs, and I think that I respect the ratings. Go having Oregon just flip with Texas, putting them down one spot. You can't really shoot them for that. They lost by three points in a hostile environment. Hey, you know, to talk about the Heisman and and the quarterback situation. I mean, both these quarterbacks came out performed well against good defenses, and we've seen the struggle. And we'll get into them. We've seen the struggle with Caleb Williams against anybody that really seems to have any value to him. So. Uh, I'll, I'll save the Caleb Williams before we get into that. Yeah. But, no, I just think, though, seeing what we see with Oregon and Washington, and I, I honestly, similar, like I, I keep comparing to Oregon and, and, or, I mean, Oklahoma and Texas, I think this is going to be the Pac-12 championship. I think both teams went out. I think, I believe the Pac-12 plays their championship in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So I expect both these teams Similar to Texas and Oklahoma, Oregon should be a one-loss team heading into Vegas. Obviously, something can happen along the way. The Pac-12 is tough. They have, I think, five each ranked opponents left, something like that is what I saw. But then you see the Huskies, and it's that situation where who is going to outcoach who, who's going to outplay who. But the running game, dude, that Bucky Irving kid from Oregon, I know we keep talking about it. He's a fucking baller. He's a little guy, but, dude, he was running hard. He went off. Yes, he did. And same thing with Washington. They had a good rushing or their main back had five yards of carry, 20 for 100 yards and a touchdown. So he had a pretty good game as well. But good offensive game. I thought the defenses were lower shadow just because of the higher scoring game. But, you know, in college, man, when you have great offenses, sometimes they're just going to score. It's just the way it goes in college. It's not the NFL. So uh, the spread offenses are real. But, no, I'm excited to see the Huskies go down the road, and I'm excited to see Oregon, what they do, how they bounce back uh, for 2023. Yeah, best, no, looking forward for too, in my opinion. I think so. I think you nailed it right in the head. Uh, looking forward to see Oregon bounce back into Washington State this week. Um, going to be fun. I, I'm very excited to see this this conference wrap up towards the end of the year. Yeah, and I'm excited that I, I'm I'm 
right on one prediction this year, and that's Michael Penix Jr. just being a fucking dog, just being the guy that I saw him last year. I know you know you didn't have a hard, you had a hard time watching him because they didn't have as much highlight game, so you didn't get to see that that Michael Penix Jr. hype that was building all year last year just because of the West Coast time and you know you're out in the East Coast, so it's hard to stay awake for a fucking eight o'clock yeah. Eastern time or you know, eleven o'clock Eastern time, you know eight o'clock third yeah. time. And shout out to Primetime, too. He's actually right about that. He's like, why are we fucking playing games 8 p.m. our local time? The East Coast guys can't watch us. He said that last week, too. So I respect Dion for saying that, uh, sticking up for the East Coast boys uh, that watches the game. So, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, all eyes will be on that. Another team, Doc, all eyes are on USC. I, I really, as soon as I – I mean, I predicted it. Northern Dame was going to win. I didn't think it was going to be a fucking – you know, blowout 48 to 20 and Caleb Williams having three interceptions probably could have had a couple more, but you know, he got credit for three on that one. And, um, God, it was a fucking game. And I think USC's dead. I'm just going to say, I think that they're dead. I don't care if they win the pack total with one loss. I don't think they can make the playoffs. I don't give a shit what they do the rest of the way. They, are, they fell down in the rankings and there's just too much in front of them to happen that they need to happen. And I expect that Max, or Caleb Williams to have some bad games coming down the road too. You still have to play Oregon and Washington back to back weekends. You play Utah this weekend. Not a bad defense. So I, I think the USC Trojans are dead. I'm seeing three or four losses on their schedule. No, fucking great defense by Utah. And uh this is something we've talked about with USC um you know the last couple of weeks is is who this team is defensively. I mean all I've been on Caleb Williams and and obvious you know for obvious reasons, but um as a team standpoint, I mean, the defense is where, where the eyes should be this, you know, we've talked about that this team is come in here and, and not performed well defensively, even against, you know, lower ranked teams, um, lower quality teams. And this is something they, they've been on upset alert in my opinion for several weeks now. And, and Notre Dame came out with a struggling offense and finally proved what this or finally showed what this defense is capable of. And that's blowing big games. Um, you know, uh, you, USC is a great gunslinging offensive team, and they're going to do great things. You know, they're they're going to put up points, but at the end of the day, if the defense can't match the energy, I mean, you're in this in this game, you're not going to win. And no, yeah, with a lower offense from Utah, I mean, this defense is solid enough that might be the decision maker uh, for this for this Utah USC game. I took USC playing at home, but I mean, Utah can absolutely come in and pull this game away from them. Yeah, and that's the situation too. Is Utah's offense doesn't have to be good. The Irish offense, in my means, they weren't spectacular. They were put in great positions, and you know what? They scored. That's all they had to do was just score in the short fields that they were given. The running back, solid. Uh, Estime is a good running back, twenty-two ninety-five. Hartman was just a solid thirteen of twenty for one hundred and twenty-six yards and two TDs. You know, he just did his job. He he put the ball in the end zone. He got the running back to get the ball in the end zone. So the four of their touchdowns were from them too. So, you know, they turned the ball over Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams was 23 of 37 for under 200 yards and three interceptions and a touchdown. So that's not the Caleb Williams that we're used to. And I know Chris, he sent a photo earlier. All the top, He's played um, five top 25 defenses in his collegiate career, and he doesn't have good numbers. It's pedestrian numbers at best. The most he's thrown for is 252 yards, and that was against Oklahoma State where he went 20 for 39. And, and granted, that was his first year. He was just thrown into the spotlight as uh, Spencer Rattler did not work for the Oklahoma Sooners. So I can understand the 2021 season, you know, you weren't prepared to be the starter. But 
you know, now that he was a starter last year and this year, he doesn't have good numbers against those top defenses. And, you know, that he's already having some of his drama. Some things are really speculating from three months ago, which I don't, I didn't even want to really talk about because once I start digging into that, it was a bullshit, you know, he wanted to own the team. And then the NFL came out and said, that's not a rule. Like we can't, we can't allow that. So that was, that was buried and all of a sudden brought back up. But I think USC's dead. I, I don't think anything they, they do is going to make me change my mind. Yeah, even if they beat Utah this week, that's great. And maybe they'll they'll beat California. Ooh, whoop-de-fucking-do. But then you got to go Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. So four tough games to remain uh, for the USC Trojans this year. Yeah, no, definitely tough schedule ahead for them. And I think that uh, USC is done for the year. And I think, uh, honestly, aside from performance, everything else going on off the field with Caleb as far as the draft, I think uh, I think Caleb Williams is done. You mean like done with USC or he's just done for like, for like he's having a bad season or like what do you mean by done? Uh, I think a lot of the drama coming up with his, with his dad talking about he may may not enter the draft. You know, I think the this whole ownership stake thing going on, I mean, this is – this guy's proven to be more drama than what it's worth. So, I mean, I guess I guess guys like maybe Michael Penix or if Bo Nix wants to come out or, you know, uh, people are on Quinn Ewers. I don't think Shador Sanders comes out. And then you have uh, Drake May. Like maybe some of these guys, if they don't have character problems, um, which I don't think Michael Penix has had anything pop up. So, he's a name that has been steadily improving for his draft stock. But I still think Caleb was – Un- I don't say unfortunately, but I think he's going to go number one, or the first QB off the board. Just I think his ceiling's a lot higher. For Caleb's only dropping every every week. Yeah, I mean we'll have to see what he does against these defenses too, and that's the shitty part. Is the Pac-12 so good now? It's like, hey, you're seeing what he's doing against these defenses that are are phenomenal, and the NFL is loaded with defenses. So it's like, hey, yep. you're going to have to show something, and you should be showing something. USC is a fucking recruiting pool literally for wide receivers they they get wide receivers left and right like there's no problems with their with their talent pool out there defense i, I don't know defense i that's a different story they they can't oh, get clearly. defense to save their life yeah, yeah. but nope i'm excited I, i'm a little upset too i had usc in the playoffs but hey i'm excited for the washington huskies to get there or the oregon ducks uh, i've always liked watching oregon but i'm high on washington have been the last couple of years just something new i guess something fresh for the college football nation Oh, yeah. But, Doc, we're heading into week eight, and it's a big game. We had our Pac-12 battle last week, and we are going to have a, a couple of these Big Ten battles. But the first Big Ten battle of the year, the Penn State Nittany Lions traveling to Columbus to face the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, you know, Geary's team, you know, OH, uh, IO. So, yeah, no, I'm not finishing that. You got, you got to finish it, man. It's just, you got to finish. But anyway, seven versus three, another huge game. I don't think it's gonna be game of the year, like, like we've been hyping up Texas, Oklahoma, and Oregon and uh, Washington. But I think this game is gonna have some resemblance to the Notre Dame and um, Ohio State game. Pretty much a defensive battle. Maybe some more splashes of offense compared to that game. Uh, Penn State, I think, does have better offense than Notre Dame and. Ohio State is still Ohio State. They will probably keep up with Penn State no matter what they do. But four and a half point favorites for the Buckeyes, the home team. I literally, I know it's in our pickums this week. I have no idea. It's a coin flip game for me right now, Doc, on Wednesday night. It really is. I think the only thing uh, separating this one is going to be home field advantage. I think Ohio State playing at home may be enough to, to pull it away. Penn State has had an incredible defense this year. But to be fair, 
They have played the Massachusetts Minutemen, the Iowa Hawkeyes, who we know are an atrocious team offensively. Delaware was a 60-37 blowout. I mean, the the opposition has just not been there for Penn State, which doesn't take away from the fact they still did what they were supposed to do in winning those games big. But um, I think Ohio State at home going to be tough to win. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State does have that. I think they have an easy schedule besides the Irish. That's the the one thing they have going for them. They had to go to South Bend, and they did beat a top 10 ranked uh, Fighting Irish team. But like you said, Penn State's doing what they can do. They've beaten everyone that's been put in front of them. I don't think they've had really a close game whatsoever. I know Illinois was close in the first half, but then they, they rolled out and they, they just kept going, didn't look back. But they're averaging yeah. under 200 yards a game, Doc, Penn State, for the defensive end. So or defensive side – you're only allowing 121 passing yards and 72 and a half rushing yards. So, and I think, and Ohio State's been dealing with injuries too. Henderson's been nicked up. Uh, Abuke has been nicked up, the second receiver for Ohio State. So, are they going to be 100% to go? That, that's big if they aren't because it's just Marvin Harrison and, and Kyle McCord. And McCord, we've seen him against the, the good defenses, struggle, Irish, and Indiana. So, he needs to, and Drew Aller, by the way, Aller from the, um, Penn State Lightning Lions, no interceptions on the year, too. So McCord has to outplay Drew if he wants to win this game, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, a lot of pressure on uh, on guys to step up and fill holes for the injury. So, you know, this is what's going to determine great football teams. And we've seen it with other programs where, you know, they've had injuries, battled through it, and, uh, you know, backups have come in and emerged as, as leaders. So, you know, time will tell what's going to happen this weekend. Very excited for this game. Going to be a good one. Glad it's an early game. Glad it's an early game to finally, you know, be able to see that one all the way through. But, uh, yeah, excited. Going to be a good game. I'm rooting so hard for Penn State. Like, I might be screaming the whole fucking day, we are. And I'm just going to be screaming like someone's there behind me screaming Penn State. I I would love to see the Lions come in here and just absolutely take Ohio State out and take out Michigan when they have to play them too. I want to see Penn State win the Big Ten. I I've been waiting for years for them to finally break through. I know we keep every year it's like, hey, this is Penn State's year. This is the best team Penn State's had. You know, they went, they had Saquon Barkley one year. I'm forgetting the other running back. I'm drawing a blank on him who followed him, but they've had some teams in the past. I want to see Penn State finally fucking win the Big Ten, do something. I know Ohio State was running for so many years. Now Michigan's been the kings of the Big Ten, but I want to see the Nittany Lions finally reach this potential that they have. Yes, sir. And fuck Ohio State, right? Fuck Ohio State. Yeah, that's the attitude. That's the attitude we want to see. Um, you better not pick them this week then, Doc. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I know. It's tough. It's tough to go against Ohio State. I got to make a business decision. It's tough. It's tough to pick that against them, literally. And then, Doc, we mentioned Drake May earlier about his draft stock going up and Caleb Williams is going down. And, you know, UNC – it was a close one for a little bit against Miami. I know it was a 10-point game. Miami did score a late touchdown, but uh, they finally got Tess Walker. Their transfer uh, involved a little more. I know he's finally playing now for the, the Tar Heels, but you know now North Carolina is 10th in the nation. They went up two spots. Are the Tar Heels and Drake May the real fucking deal? Like, Is this a team that Florida State should be looking out for because obviously they'll play each other in the title game if they both get there? And should the rest of the, the nation – Kind of keep an eye out for North Carolina. I mean, uh, UNC, you know, as far as the ACC goes, yeah, I think the ACC needs to be worried about UNC. I mean, they're coming up, putting up over 500 game, 500 yards a game offensively. Um, 
the nation, does the nation need to be worried about UNC? I'm not quite sure it's there yet. Uh, you know, Tez Walker, like you said, is finally back from injury and uh, able to play with Drake May. But, you know, the numbers were still there before Tez Walker, you know, came back. But um, the defense is still a lot of a lot of desire to be had, a lot of question marks there, um, giving up over 350 yards a game. Um I mean, Miami, yeah, good team. Syracuse, they blew out, you know, a lot of yards given up against Pitt, Minnesota, Appalachian State, especially going to double overtime there. So, um, like I said, a lot of question marks on defense. I think that this team is getting better. I'm going to be concerned what this team does without Drake May when he finally moves on. But, uh, you know, that'll tell whether UNC is turning into a real powerhouse in this conference or if they're just this, hey, Drake May is here, like the like the Louisville of old that we saw with Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson. Uh, so, you know, time's going to tell. I mean, they do have Mac Brown, which I'm biased as can be. I mean, he's a former Longhorn and former Tar Heel too. It's where he, he started uh, before Texas, but no, I, I don't know if it's like, watch out. Like you said, watch out for the nation. I think the ACC, I mean, really just Florida state needs to watch out for him. I don't think anyone else after this Miami game, they just played, um, is going to stand a chance. Now, do they pull a North Carolina and fuck up somewhere? Yeah, very possible. That's what they do best, but no, Drake May's averaging over 300 yards a game. You know, that's pretty good through six games uh, of his this season. I think he's also looking ahead, too. I mean, obviously, he's his stock is rising, like I said. So, I think Drake May's the real deal. I, I like this kid. I like Tez Walker out there for the North Carolina Tigers. I think that's a good weapon. Their running back is doing pretty good. He's averaging 5.9 yards a carry. So, their offense is not missing a beat. Like you said, though, Doc, it's the defense. Can the defense mm-hmm. make enough plays to bail out the offense and – not put so much pressure on the offense of the of North Carolina, but no, I, I think that North Carolina going forward, I think they're going to have a solid season, and I'm excited for it. Like I said, I, I love it when it's balanced. It makes me want to be a college football fan, thick and thin. Essentially, like I want to see them, and not just them. Other teams come out like it's good. Like I don't like Florida State. Like I was like I'm a fan, but it's good to see them back. Like it's something new again. Like they sucked for so many years it's good they're back now. Like, I don't want to see, like, an Alabama or now Georgia just run the fucking league. So it's good to see North Carolina uh, potentially, though. I don't think they're the real deal, though. I think Drake May's the real deal. I just think he's maybe dragging them along with him. Yeah, he's dragging them on his back, essentially. UNC would not be where they are without Drake May. No, I mean, Kenny Pickett – and I'm sorry, Kenny Pickett was Pitt. uh, Oh, Sam Howell. Sam Howell was supposed to be the the guy that brought them over the map, and he came back for that last season and – yeah, that last season hurt his stock. He, if he would have gone out the year before that, he probably been the top uh, two rounds of the draft pick. So, but yeah, uh, they haven't had anything since Sam Howell, and it's good to see North Carolina. They're not known now for just a basketball school, playing some football. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good year for the ACC. I mean, honestly, good year for the for all these conferences. Like that, I know Big Twelve's only got two teams, but your two teams are the the fucking like their blue bloods essentially the teams that you expect to be good Texas and Oklahoma the SEC's got a few that are hanging around the Big Ten's just got their three the Pac-12's got their main two and a couple stragglers and then ACC Miami hasn't been bad they had that stupid loss against Georgia Tech but besides that Miami's been pretty solid Clemson's still pretty good they just can't win against ranked teams anymore and then you have Duke who's up there and and of course the Florida State Seminoles leading the charge the Florida State Seminoles are back baby yeah, Florida State's back, but another another situation, same as UNC, that defense has got a lot of question marks behind it. Duke's coming in with a you know high-powered uh, rushing 
uh, high-powered rushing game that's coming up against a rather weaker rushing defense. So, you know, this is absolutely a game that Duke can come in and take over, but you've just got to hope a night game in in Tallahassee and Florida State's going to come on top. Damn, it is a night game. I didn't I didn't see that it was a primetime game. Damn, that's going to be – yeah, it's going to be a ruckus environment for the Duke Blue Devils out there in Tallahassee. Also, Doc, Alabama is hosting Tennessee. And remember last year um, – uh, Hendon Hooker had an electric game against Alabama. It was literally a fucking back and forth game between the two of them. So now it's 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 Milton versus uh, Milrow, and you know, 17th ranked Tennessee, 11th ranked Alabama. Tennessee's playing for the SEC essentially. So we'll have to see what's going to go on here with Alabama and Tennessee. I hope the Volunteers do win, though. Actually, no, I want to see yeah. Alabama win. I'm pulling for the Volunteers. Fuck Alabama. They have been an extreme disappointment this year. Nick Saban is losing his mind down there in uh, in Alabama. Um, Tennessee, biggest problem seeing with Tennessee is just the consistency this year. I mean, they're putting up the numbers, they're making plays, but it hasn't been consistent enough to convince me that they're capable of doing anything. Um, so I'm I'm pulling for Tennessee, but I think Alabama takes this one. Only pulling for Bama because I need them to stay relevant. So Texas. Obviously, I, I have it for bias reasons. I need them to win for, for us. Yeah. Let's do some fantasy, though, real quick, Doc. You know, we have some starts and sits, and I'll, I'll start off. You know, if Jameer Gibbs is playing for the Detroit Lions this week, no David Montgomery. I'm not saying Gibbs is out there, but if he's there, start him. He he hasn't been the main back, but he's averaging almost the same amount of yards per carry as David Montgomery. They're just riding David Montgomery, and it's not a bad thing. It's working, but start Jameer Gibbs. He'll be involved in the passing game. We saw what Craig Reynolds did last week when he stepped in. He had a couple good catches. So I say start Jameer Gibbs against Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be a tough game. They're going to need Jameer Gibbs if he's out there. Yeah, absolutely. Jameer Gibbs, big-time play for the Detroit Lions. Um, man, I'm looking through it. As far as starters go, I mean, there aren't a whole lot of guys this week that I'm that I'm looking to sit. Um, I mean, big question marks with, with Montgomery and McCaffrey, but obviously we're not going to know that until, until well, later in the out. week. Montgomery's been ruled out. It's it's CMC that it's it's tough because it's Monday night game. So it's like, do you risk playing it? If you don't have his backup, you might have to sit him unless you hear something positive on Friday and Saturday. You just might. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know it's gonna be a game time decision, but you know, still a lot of worry there. I, I do say um sit the I said I say sit Jonathan Taylor, Doc. Uh, we haven't seen him show his potential yet. I know he got paid. He sat out the first – or he got – I'm sorry, on IR the first four weeks. Zach Moss has been productive, and they're playing against the Cleveland Browns. So, I say sit Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, my start's going to be go with all uh, Rams wide receivers. I mean, um, not not as much as we expected last week, but even with Cooper Cup back, I mean, Atwell, uh, Puka, all, both still making big plays, getting numbers. Uh, it's just a matter of how they're going to spread out the touchdowns. Yeah, and Doc, I think your boy Geno Smith, I think he's a start this week. I think having a, such a shit game against the Bengals and then playing against the Arizona Cardinals, they're going to be at home. Kenneth Walker and Geno Smith are, are two of my starts, which means DK Metcalf. So I say you start the whole trio. If you have all three of them, fucking start them because I think Geno's going to have a bounce back game. If you have a QB on a bye week, put Geno in. I think he bounces back big time against the Cardinals. They've been getting lit up, by the way, um, their defense has. So expect Geno Smith. Hey, and if you have Kyler Murray out there too, Doc, in any of your leagues, start to pick him up because um, he got activated this week. Well, hey, practice. He's I'm almost sorry. ready to go. Yeah. So, 
if you have any uh, guys out there you guys want to also sit DJ Moore because no Justin Fields, unfortunately. So mm, yes, yes, one. I didn't mean to mention that. Yeah, I hate to see it, but Doc, great episode. I'm glad that mean you could talk some college real quick, even though it was only like 30 minutes. Hey, better than no, better than no minutes, in my opinion. So in college, glad to get anything we can with college. Can't wait to watch the Penn State and Ohio State game too. Uh, our good luck, Chris, to, against Army, Luke. Sorry, I don't think any luck's going to work because Oklahoma's going to win mm. easily. And Doc, big game. All eyes will be at the 7.30 start time for Florida State and the Duke Blue Doubles. And hey, man, horns, horns up. Yeah, horns up this week, baby. We're playing Houston, playing the Cougars. So uh, can't wait to see some Quinn Ewers. Hopefully he bounces back. But also shout out to you, Jonathan Brooks. You made the AP midseason All-American um, slot. Uh, I think I don't know if it's an actual confirmed thing, but ESPN's been posting it. So it seems like it's uh, – a, I guess not official, like he's an All-American, but through the midseason, they saying he is the number one back in college. So good to see some Texas running backs back up there. But, Doc, good luck this week. Thanks for being on the show. I'm Mark Davis. Same to you. This is All About the Balls podcast, and we are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Balls podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at The Sack House.